Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Today we hear from Fowder star Lior Raz about how the Israeli producer behind the series is scaling following its acquisition by Candle Media. Lion Forge Animation's David Stewart II and Saxton Moore on upcoming HBO Max original Ianu, Child of Wonder. And Moonbug Entertainment's Andy Yateman on turning YouTube IP into full-blown franchises. Faraway Road Productions, led by Leo Raz and fellow co-founder Avi Izasharov, is best known for its thriller series Fowder, which recently returned for its fourth season on Netflix. The company was acquired by Kevin Mayer and Tom Stagg's Candle Media a year ago and has rapidly expanded its development pipeline since, from just a couple of projects to around 20, and brought in several new executives to fuel its growth. Raz, who is also one of the main stars in Fowder, spoke with Jordan Pinto about these events, plans to expand Faraway Road beyond its bases in Israel and Los Angeles, and the importance of Israel's public broadcasting system for local drama production, as key player Can faces the threat of closure. So, um, a, a little over a year ago, it was revealed that um, Candle Media, um, which is led by Kevin Mayer and Tom Staggs, um, was acquiring um, Faraway Road. Um, this to me was, well, to me at least, was was certainly one of the most interesting acquisition announcements from Candle Media because, um, you know, the things like Hello Sunshine and uh, Moonbug Entertainment, um, I think the, the, the rationale behind those is, is obviously very clear and those are big money acquisitions. But I, I found this one to be a really interesting uh, move for Candle Media, especially as they were looking to step into international drama. Um, can you tell me a bit about, firstly, how the deal came together? And then secondly, um, how the additional investment from Candle Media um, and the support of that entity has kind of uh, allowed Faraway Road to kind of expand its global ambitions. So first of all, um, yeah, you're right. We um, It was a surprise to us as well that we got approached from Kevin and Tom uh, and Candle. It, um, they did actually big acquisitions and we were a smaller one. And I think um, they wanted and we wanted to go to, to expand ourselves internationally and go to not just to be in the US, but also in Europe, in Israel, in Asia, in, in Africa, in South America to develop content that will be uh, actually not just American content. And I think this is what we bring into the table. And the way we're working with Kendall, that they are we, they are giving us the opportunity uh, to develop stuff, to develop content, um, to expand our team, to make uh, to make a, a bigger uh, plans that we were that we had. And instead of two um, creators, we're doing two or one or two shows. Now we're doing we have like twenty projects in our pipeline. So, um, so they're giving us all this support, and and, and we're becoming. Uh, I hope that we become uh, um, an, an, a player in the international industry as well. Um, how have you shifted from doing, you know, focusing on one or two projects to doing uh, twenty projects, um, and like, how, how has the company changed shape in order to facilitate that? First of all, we have uh, we, we 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 hired more people, uh, more executives, more uh, um, um, people that were hope working with us on the content. Now we can actually. Um, invest in uh, in projects that we want we can buy ip we can do much more stuff that we, we used to do when we were like uh, just two creators so and we have we have candle that helping us to expand we have we're doing a lot of collaboration between all the companies inside candle we became one big company so we have so many opportunities also to work with them and to develop with them new projects as well 
with some of the new projects that you're bringing in, um, has has the investment from Can from Candle has it allowed you to are you stepping into new lanes of content or are you kind of doubling down on what the company already did really well and kind of looking to do that bigger and better? It's a good question. I think we're doing uh, what we really really love to do creatively. We are going for uh, mostly true stories, uh, um, mostly uh, um, stories that led by characters. And uh, but we but we yes we're developing now for example. Uh, new movie a feature uh, that happening in the in the World War II in the Pacific so we're now we're writing the script we're developing the script something bigger than what we ever thought and it's not the Middle East it's actually something that happening in the Pacific uh, it's going to be a big movie um, so we're going to all to many many uh, um, other projects but also um, we are still having our DNA of the company that we're going for true stories real stories most of the stories are uh, about identity um, we we want the audience to feel that he's part of the of the story and not uh, an observer. Um, this is this is how we see it. And in terms of where the company is based, um, obviously it's kind of headquartered, and the uh, the kind of nerve nerve center is Israel. But I know there's also an office in uh, in LA as well. Um, how, how is the kind of interconnectivity between um, Israel and the US and and some of the global um, pieces of the puzzle? How, how does that fit together now? So um, we have in our company, of course, people in LA. We have uh, uh, um, uh, people in Israel. We are now um, having someone who's in Israel, but is in charge of the European uh, market as well. So um, yeah, we have we have our company is actually all, all over all over the place, and we want it probably in the in the next future. We will open branches uh, uh, in, in Europe and in Asia, of course. And final question on the development projects. Um, how far along with, with those 20 projects, how far along are you with with some of those? Like, are, are they at the stage where now where you're already pitching them or are you are you kind of developing them as far as you can before taking them out? No, no. So first, we have we have many. We have now projects for Showtime that is already in editing. Um, it's about true story, four episodes, going to be probably uh, very soon uh, on uh, on the screen in, in, in for Showtime. So we already shot it um, based on a true story. We have a um, few projects that we're developing with um, Jerry Bruckheimer, with Spyglass, with Thunder Road. We have uh, a show. Uh, we have a movie that we're doing for. Now. Netflix that is already in, 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 in we wrote it and and, and it's, on, um, it's going to be probably um, it's it's in development but it's for Netflix it's about the true story that happened between Libya Africa Israel and the U S um, so this thing we're doing with churning we have um, we have another uh, story we're developing of course about our five um, and that's it we have few so uh, and also we have a, a project that we are uh, just got uh, we developing with Apple about story that happening in between France and England in the UK. We have, we have, we have a lot. So it's in so many different uh, um, stages, some some in, in development, some after we, we sold it already, some of them in production, some of them in editing. Obviously, one of the things we've heard um, over the past year is that the streamers and the broadcasters are tightening their belts uh, and looking to cut costs a bit. Um, when you look at the scripted marketplace today, uh, and when you're chatting with networks and streamers, uh, are you getting the sense that they are uh, that they are looking to cut costs? Like it sounds like you have a pretty enormous. Like it sounds like you have a bigger slate than you've ever had before of projects moving forward. But I suppose a little more broadly than that, do, do you, are you seeing that um, talk of, of belt tightening? Yes, of course. I think uh, we all feel it. 
but you know, we're coming from Israel and our production, if I'll tell you how much Fauda costs, 12 episodes, you, everybody that we're telling them about it, they, they're just laughing. They don't understand how we can produce in such a low cost, uh, such a high tense and action thriller shows. So we have that part of in, in, in far away that we understand how to, to produce and to reduce the, the, the production cost. So for example, now we shot in Morocco. So it, will be, it was uh, uh, less money that uh, the average show that you do in you, you, you film in, in the US. So and, and, and so we're developing also our opportunities and connection all over Europe, East Europe, Morocco, Jordan, Israel uh, to, to give and to, to, to actually to, uh, to be able to, to produce in low cost. And yeah, but we feel it from all over and we are very good in it. We are very good in it. We, we know how to produce in low cost. I suppose th thinking about this from another angle then, um, if do you think the streamers will be increasingly interested in the price points that you're able I think this I think we are all in agreement now that the storytelling level is is the same uh, internationally you you find the story level of storytelling is equally as good um in you know places like Israel compared to the US um do you think that the streamers will be more interested in going into markets like that knowing that um you can you know essentially find product that is as good or better perhaps um but at a at a at a lower um production cost I don't know. I think I think in the end of the day, everybody want want good story. You know, uh, it doesn't matter where it is, and doesn't matter who, how you produce it and where you produce it. If it's a good story, and uh, and people will watch it. So if you bring a good story, good talents, good directors, good actors. So even though it will be a little bit expensive, uh, I think there is a market for that as well. So if you have a good story, it's a good story. I don't think that we, for us, we're not writing a, a script or, or choosing scripts because of the low cost of the production. We're choosing scripts because they are good scripts and the scripts and they are also um, something that we wanted to do and we have passion to do that. So we're not thinking about that, about the, about the money and the cost. We're thinking about a good story, good script, and, and good package. You mentioned earlier that you're um, kind of in development and working on uh, Fowder season five, um, which is obviously Fowder has clearly been a, a massive hit for Netflix um, and received plenty of critical acclaim internationally as well. Um, could you talk about how, what the show has meant to um, Faraway Productions in terms of you know growing the profile of the company, um, but also um, if you could kind of contextualize a little bit about. And without, without, you know, I, I know you won't feel comfortable tooting your own horn too much, but um, what has it done for the profile of Israeli drama in the streaming age um, as a show? So it's it's funny because when we wrote Fada, we wrote it for the local for for Israel. We didn't know that it's going to be such a big hit on Netflix worldwide. Um, so we wrote it and we produced it produced it uh, as a, as a show Israeli small Israel not small but an Israeli show. Um, and even in the beginning, nobody actually wanted to buy it in Israel. So it was a hard sell. We had to pitch it all over. Um, so uh, me and Avi Zakar, my partner, of course, um, and. And after that, when Netflix bought it, it became a huge hit, or not, not immediately, but after COVID as well. And, and, and now, fourth season became, I think the numbers are bigger than the other, uh, the other season, that it's, uh, it's quite strange. And, 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 and we are so happy about it. We, don't, we, are, we didn't expect that as well. And for us, this is an anchor. Fauda is an anchor for Faraway Road. This is our brand. This is our, when, when, when people ask about Faraway Road, immediately it come together with Fauda. And uh, um, we love to make that show, even though it's it's a small show 
now as comparing to the other show that we're doing. It's a small show, but we really love it. And I think we will continue to, to uh, produce it and, and to make more uh, of it, hopefully. And um, for the Israeli market, I think we actually thought it was the, the first big deal that happened between uh, Israel and streamers. Since then, you know, we have Tehran in, 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 in Apple. We have so many other projects that now developed and also produced in Israel and got bought by the streamers. Um, and I think the market actually opened for us. But just I want to take you to my point of view and that you will understand that for me as Israeli, when Netflix approached us, I thought it's a, it's a, I didn't know I didn't thought it's a good idea because who's going to watch a show in Hebrew and Arabic about the Middle East in, 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 in I don't know, in, in India? Why would it be a big hit over there? I didn't understand that then. And actually, I don't understand it now. But uh, why it was it's still such a big hit all over the world. And um, but for us, as I said, it's it's an anchor that we want to continue to do. We love it. Um, it's it's like you have we have a, 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 another family, a Fauda family that we brought to uh, to far away and Kendall, and now it's uh, one of the uh, I think part of the pl- platform um, of of Kendall as well. Obviously, as you mentioned there, Fauda was a project that um, was kind of developed within the the Israeli um, broadcasting uh, network system and and then taken to the world. Um, obviously, the the models for for everyone have changed, um, but you know, developing things within your local market is obviously still important. Um, at the moment, um, do you still look to get projects off the ground um, in with an Israeli broadcaster first, or do you go streamer first, or do you operate somewhere in the middle? It depends on the project. Like, how do you see that? So now it's not just streamers, you know, it's, it's all over. We have, we have so many opportunities now. So it's not just the streamers. We used to have a first look deal with Netflix. So we were obligated to Netflix in the, until uh, a year ago. Um, so now because uh, we got bought by Kendall, so we have the opportunity to control the IP and to, uh, to go to other markets as well. So I think we have so many opportunities we can, we can produce in Israel. We can produce in, in Europe. We can cope. We have have a, a, a lot of ideas of co-productions between uh, Israel, US, Israel, uh, uh, Europe, uh, Germany, uh, UK, France. So, <clears throat> so the world become like a, a big playground that now we can work and we can develop together things, and we can set, we can sell it or territory by territory, or go to a streamer and sell it uh, everywhere. So, so there is so many opportunities. Um, we've been seeing news recently about the potential closure closure of Israeli public broadcaster Khan. Um, that has been postponed for the time being, but I think it's it's certainly a, an ongoing concern. And more broadly, I think pub, uh, public broadcasters are under pressure globally. Um, it, it's not just Khan, um, but I understand that you know each each public broadcaster has sp- specific um, you know pressures and concerns. Um, could you talk a bit about the importance of Khan to the you know the, the scripted scripted industry in in Israel and the uh, and the the future of it? Yeah, I think first of all, every country needs a public uh, um, broadcasters. You know, um, this is the only place that is independent, and it doesn't need to uh, uh, to be controlled by anyone who pay money uh, in in the in the industry or uh, you know all the companies that that, that actually um, supporting the other uh, um, uh, channels. 
So in Israel, I think now in the last few years, Khan had made such a great, great scripted uh, content, amazing and documentary and news. So for me, it's not about just the fight. It's not about the content. It's about if you are a demo- democracy or not a democracy. You know, I think in a de- democratic countries, you got to have a, a, a public uh, uh, um, broadcasters, and Khan is one of them. And Khan was for years uh, a place that everybody. Could say whatever they want. Nobody judged them. There was an option to people from the from from the suburbs, from south of Israel, from northern Israel, Arabs, Jews, doesn't matter who, Ethiopians. Everybody got their their place. So I think it's going to be a huge mistake if someone would close it, and I don't think we're going to let them do that. And then thinking ahead to the rest of 2023, um, you know, we know you're working on a broad slate of projects. Um, could you talk a bit about the the broader ambitions for the company as you look ahead to the next twelve months? I think we uh, we are uh, we have so many projects in development. We just want to make them have you know if we have like a few four or five productions in the next year, it's going to be amazing to go for production. So uh, yeah, we are on it, and then and hopefully just to continue what we're doing with the support of Candle, and uh, and it will be amazing. We we having we first of all we having fun. Second of all. We're doing. We're bringing great stories to the world, and this is what we want to do, and this is what we're trying to do. Um, we want to uh, continue uh, to do uh, uh, greedy, uh, uncomfortable, raw stories, um, uh, and to bring it to the world. Obviously, obviously, you've been in the industry for a long time, and and building far away as far away for a long time as well. How exciting has the past twelve months been? Um, as you've been able to expand the development slate, bring new stories in, and what, what's that been like? Listen. Uh... It, it is exciting because uh, we became part of a, a bigger company and we are exploring and we have the chance to learn a lot about the industry, about the global industry. Uh, we have so many uh, opportunities with the other companies to call up, collaborate, uh, that are working together. We have, the, we, have the, we have the brain of Tom and Kevin that helping us uh, and to develop our things and our business. So uh, I think uh, for us, it's, it's very exciting. Avi and me, we are in a, in a great time and <clears throat> we just want to continue. With Candle Media on board now, is, is the goal for the company to, to hold on to more, more of the IP? Is that one of, the, one of Candle's philosophies? It's our philosophy. We want to, to, we, we want to protect the IP as, long as, as, as far as we can, of course, yeah. Um, Leo, how do you find time to juggle everything? You know, you're, you know, like acting and acting in, you know, huge, huge international drama series is a full-time job on its own, but you're also producing, doing a million other things as well as building your business. Um, like serious question, like how do you, how do you juggle, juggle things? First of all, it's not easy, but I have great partners. I have Avi, who's supporting me. I have Tom and Kevin. I have all the people who are working for us and with us. Um, we're trying to do our best. I'm trying to do my best. It's now, for example, in Israel, the time is uh, uh, 7, uh, 30 in the evening. I have meetings till 12, probably, like midnight. And tomorrow morning, I wake up and I work and I have a, a production, co- production uh, uh, um, uh, meeting. 
meeting as well. So we're working like 20 hours a day. We're trying to do our best. We're having fun. So it's not, it's not, a, I'm so, we are so lucky that we are doing the thing that we're doing. You know, we're not, uh, we just, we're working and we get, we, we, we're making money from the thing that we really, really, really love to do. And I, I would do it even if it was, if, if I wouldn't, I wouldn't get any money for that. So I'm working in my hobby. So this is why I'm doing it and I'm enjoying it and, and I'm, and I'm jungle it, jungle it. I think this question should be uh, presented to my wife, not to me. She's, uh, <laughs> she's the hero here. Ianu, Child of Wonder, is an animated superhero adventure series set to debut next year on HBO Max, based on the acclaimed Nigerian graphic novel by Roya Okupi. Steeped in Nigerian culture, music and mythology, the project from Lionforge Animation follows a teenage heroine who must uncover the mystery behind her newfound powers to save her people from an ancient curse threatening to destroy humanity. Founded in 2019, Lionforge is one of the only black-owned animation companies in North America. Its prior credits include the Oscar-winning animated short film Hair Love. Founder David Stewart II and Vice President of Production Saxton Moore spoke with Jordan Pinto about bringing Ianu Child of Wonder to screen, the growth of the Nollywood content industry and long-term plans to build Lionforge into one of the world's premier animation studios. I might start with you, David. Um, maybe you could tell us a bit about um, Lionforge Animation, uh, the company, to begin with. Um, as I understand it, Lionforge is one of the only black-owned animation companies in the world. Um, and you've got some fantastic projects um, in the works at the moment, but maybe before we get, talk about the projects, if you could just tell us a bit about the company. Yes, sure. Uh, so we started Lionforge Animation a little over three years ago uh, with a focus on uh, intentionality around uh, building uh, you know, diverse projects uh, around un a lot of underrepresented voices. Uh, but the key you know, for us is making sure that uh, we have creatives uh, behind uh, those projects that uh, are divorce, diverse and representative of the projects that we're that we're putting out. Um, you know, and when entering the industry, I, I think I was uh, a little disappointed. Uh, went to my uh, first conference, and I found that you know uh, myself and I uh, had another uh, uh, one of our uh, folks there as well. Uh, you know, we uh, we were the only African Americans uh, at the conference, and so. Uh, you know, it kind of, and as we, you know, kind of progress with, you know, different projects, I'm finding that, you know, uh, especially uh, African-American creatives are kind of uh, few and far between, um, uh, you know, engaged, you know, in the animation industry. And so uh, one of our aims, and uh, as we look at projects and as we produce things is, you know, fostering and, and building up, uh, you know, creatives. Uh, on the directorial side, on the writing side, on the producing side, uh, so that we can, you know, have more authentic content on the marketplace. So our first project uh, that we did was uh, Hair Love, uh, working with Matthew Cherry, but also, again, that represents uh, a swath of uh, the great creatives uh, in the animation industry. You had Everett Downing, you had Bruce Smith, who created Proud Family, uh, you had Peter Ramsey, who uh, worked on Spider-Verse, all on that project, which... Uh, you know, did quite well for us, won an, won an Oscar. Uh, and then uh, we also have worked with uh, Sesame Workshop on a project called Power of We, which won an Emmy uh, last year. We worked with um, Nick Jr. on uh, Rhymes to the Times, which was uh, nominated for Emmy uh, this year. 
Uh, and uh, we also worked with Disney on Rise Up, Sing Out. And uh, of course, uh, uh, we're in production on uh, Ianu, which is uh, what we're here to talk about today. Fantastic. Okay, that's uh, that's a great way to uh, take us in to talk about Ianu. So I believe it was July last year when when HBO Max and Cartoon Network put out the announcement um, that the series had been greenlit. Um, firstly, tell us about the, the series itself, um, and then maybe give us an update on where things are at. Yeah, uh, Ianu, uh, the series, is about a young Nigerian girl. The series takes place in an ancient Yoruba land culture um and she she's she's like uh she's supposed to be the chosen she's on the outskirts of the main city of Alu, which is kind of you know it's kind of loosely based on the the walls of benin which is a real a real uh location uh from the past but like this story revolves around her kind of coming of age uh you know realizing her powers and ability and she's going to up, uplift her community and bring her, uh, you know, bring the people in the city, uh, you know, to, you know, to the next level where, the, you know, everybody's kind of like in poverty right now. And the government system is kind of oppressing them uh, in a way. And so she's going to uplift their spirits and uh, take them to a new horizon. Whereabouts are you today um, in terms of production? We actually like we we've done a lot of uh prepping and we literally started kicking off pre-production last week like the first week of january uh but we've done a lot of things uh in preparation beforehand we've created a style guide booklet uh you know just so that the authenticity is there because you know just like dave mentioned um you know bringing the authenticity and the diversity behind the project is very important. So we have Nigerian artists, uh, the creator's Nigerian, um, and you know we wanna make sure the authenticity from the foods to the culture, to the patterns, everything has, uh, uh, is uh, uh, like grounded in, in, in reality uh, to an extent. And so um, that's where we're at right now. We're super excited. We've got the, you know, the first two episodes boarded out. We're in the animatic phase and we're off to the races. Um, whereabouts is work primarily taking place um, on the project? Well, uh, our, our core team uh, is, is, you know, is uh, American-based. Um, that's, uh, you know, our directors, our, our showrunner, our writer, uh, even the creator who's on the project as well. Um, we're all based here in the U.S. A lot of our team is sourced out of uh, St. Louis, um, but we also are working with teams in Korea and Japan and in Argentina as well. I know animated projects can be a bit difficult to work out the, the timelines, but do you have an idea of when you expect to start delivering episodes and a rough premiere date at this stage? We, I know it's coming out, uh, season one will be coming out in 2024. Fantastic. Um, one of the unique aspects of this project that, well, that I thought I saw when I was uh, reading about it is that it's financed um, by Lionforge. Um, maybe you could talk a bit about that. Like, is it entirely financed by you or are you financing it kind of, you know, in partnership with the commissioning and commissioning entities, uh, HBO Max and Cartoon Network? Yes. You know, we're, we're, we're financing it and we're, we've been working with uh, Cartoon Network. They've um, 
uh, you know, uh, picked up the project uh, uh, primarily uh, uh, in the in the U.S. and uh, we're uh, seeing what the uh, international distribution outlets are going to look like. But um, yeah, we're from, firmly, you know, back the project. I know in 2022, one of the things we saw a lot of was or, and heard a lot about was talks of cuts um, across some of the media companies. Um, was there any concern at any point that this project might not be able to move forward? Or does the fact that you are, um, you know, so ingrained in the financing kind of allow you to control control the ball, um, as it were? Well, I, I think, you know, I think it's a testament to, you know, the, the strength of the project itself. Uh, you know, internally, it's, it's tested extremely well. Uh, within the uh, uh, within HBO Max's you know ecosystem, and um, you know uh, it's a priority project you know for them, and so you know uh, certainly you know everybody everybody's everybody gets concerned when whenever uh, change happens, uh, and certain and certainly um, you know in the back of your mind you still you know kind of wonder, but you know they've been they've been a great partner with us and you know kind of stuck with us and it's been a, a priority for them since uh, uh since day one so we've been excited to you know uh continue on with them um th- this is clearly an extremely extremely ambitious ambitious project um what are your hopes for what the project itself could do upon release well you know i i feel that this this project has has the you know legs potentially to you know be, be a global franchise and um uh the if you look at uh kind of the how high you know things that have come out in hollywood like woman king and and black panther and, and other things uh of the like you know this uh fits squarely within that uh you know kind of same same realm uh except it's you know geared you know more towards uh, uh kids kids and preteens and um <clears throat> it also has a you know kind of core element that we haven't seen before uh, as well, where, you know, we're actually pulling from, you know, African and Nigerian, uh, African Nigerian folklore. Um, A lot of projects, you know, uh, in the past, you know, uh, just, you know, uh, by the nature of, you know, the film industry over the last uh, 100 100 years, you know, you're mainly pulling from European stuff. So how many Viking uh, tales have you seen and Viking lore? Have you seen how many Greek uh, things have you seen in Greek lore, things have you seen, but then you look at kind of African uh, folklore, which is the oldest folklore in the world, you know, and uh, how many projects can you, can you name that have uh, been based or, or looked at, looked at that uh, diaspora. And so I think, uh, you know, this is very exciting. And I think we're going to showcase uh, something that uh, the world hasn't seen, but I think that's uh, very timely and uh, how we're rolling, rolling this out. And also, uh, we look to inspire young girls, right? Because, you know, in this 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 giant wave of superheroes and things like that, uh, you know, little girls seem to be left out. You know, you have your you have like maybe a handful of female superheroes. But, you know, uh, you know, this is a young girl who's a heroine to her her people and her uh, her city. And, you know, we hope to inspire young girls with our with our character, especially in the action, action adventure space. Um, David, you were were talking there about how how this project kind of falls squarely into this, um, you know, the the kind of same realm of African stories that something like Woman King or or Black Panther does as well. Um, But thinking specifically about um, Nigerian stories and Nigerian folklore, um, 
how, how do you feel this ties into and how do you hope this could, um, you know, advance and take the Nollywood, um, the Nollywood industry or the Nollywood conversation um, to a new place as well, this time in the animation sphere? Yeah, you know, I hope I hope that this uh, project helps, you know, as with anything, you have these core projects that kind of come out and help to, you know, and uh, when I when I when I say this, um, it's uh, kind of legitimizes, I guess, uh, for an audience to uh, and welcomes the men in a way. Um, I think things like Slumdog Millionaire, for example, uh, and and projects like that help to you know kind of legitimize you know Bollywood uh, in in a lot of ways. And so uh, with this, hopefully, you know, it sheds some light, and hopefully, it's a gateway. Uh, to look at other projects. I mean, if you look at Netflix right now, um, they've picked up a, a ton of uh, Nigerian uh, projects uh, from Nollywood uh, that that you can watch now. And so, uh, hopefully, that you know we can kind of show you know what uh, what the creative and what great creative is coming out of uh, Nigeria. And hopefully, again, it helps to uh, spark and uh, lead to uh, opportunities for. Uh, other creators that come out in terms of animated series have there been any other um nigerian series or worlds set in the world of nigerian folklore that you can point to or will this be do you feel this will be one of the first i, I think it'll be definitely one of the first i mean there's a lot of projects in production and things like that um but you know I think this uh, Iano is definitely going to be one of the first of its kind, for sure. When thinking about the franchise piece of the puzzle, and I know it's early days, the you know we're still a year away from the uh, from from the project itself or the, the from the animated project um, debuting. Um, but how do you see the Iano world being built out, and what other mediums do you potentially see it um, being being in? I mean, we're 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 building an expansive world, you know, just like the Marvel universe and things like that. And if you check out Ianu and uh, through Dark Horse Comics, you'll be able to see how uh, expansive the story is, right? So it's it's it takes starts off in her city, uh, but you know, you have within our series, there's going to be some episodic movies that's a prequel to the time of Ianu, right? And so the, we're world building. Right. And, I, and and the hopes is that this thing is going to last several seasons beyond the uh, the first two that will be coming out on Cartoon Network. So we're, we're world building and there's a there's a lot of characters. Sometimes I'm reading the script and I'm like, there's too many characters. We got to cut back. But we're world building. There's a lot of unique characters that people, once they see them, are going to grow to love. And there's also opportunity for uh, spinoffs, you know, just like any other franchise. When you think about the animation industry, I know there's a lot of talk and you see what maybe people would call lip service to um, the idea that more diverse stories are being told. But um, do you think the animation industry is making space for new African stories today? I think it's I think it's less necessarily on on the industry. It's more on, you know, the, the distributors. You know, it's is there is there a space for. Uh, content on on the various platforms and are they making it a priority? Um, I think you know if the if that uh, when that occurs more and more, then you know the supply will you know ramp up to to meet those needs. Um, I think the last uh, few years um, have you know opened up some opportunities and 
uh, I think, you know, again, the successes of uh, some of the um, uh, larger shows and, and, and IP uh, that are out there. I mentioned things like Black Panther help to uh, drive that uh, further home. And But I still think that uh, we, we still have a ways to go to uh, kind of getting uh, more of an equal representation uh, across the board of, of content, though. Um, David, when, when you see reports about streamers cutting back on budgets or cutting back on the number of projects, um, do you fear that the projects or that projects from diverse creators might be some of the first ones to be cut? Or maybe I'm being maybe I'm being a little too cynical. Um, but is that is that a, a fear or is that um, something is that a concern? You know, it, it, I think it remains to be seen. Uh, I think uh, part of the calculus is uh, you know success, and I think a lot of I think we've proven uh, in general, uh, especially over the last four years, that you know diverse products projects are you know highly successful and so hopefully you know in that calculus that uh if they're you know cutting the projects they're you know uh taking taking that into account and taking account that they have to service all audiences too so you know if you just cut the the risk projects you're going to cut a portion of the audience off as well and so um you know again uh they every company has to make their own decision but you know i guess it's uh, uh, it's kind of a wait and see. And when they make those decisions, you know, as consumers, uh, we have to vote as well with, with our dollars and wallets and, and who we're going to support that is uh, in turn support, supporting uh, creativity that's uh, representative of us as well. Is the Lion Forge financing model quite unique in that, uh, you know, it's rare that I see a story from a production company or an animation studio that says that the studio is the one financing the project. Um, is that is that something you see often from from your own perch, or does it is it quite a unique um, setup you have? Well, you know, I think I think we're kind of a unique company in in a, in a lot of different ways. If it, uh, whether it's um, uh, financing, you know, how how we're set up, how we drive creative, um, you know, we're uh, kind of in a lot of ways a, a mini uh you know large large studio <laughs> you know and so uh one of the things that we're uh, focused on right now is you know building scale you know projects like Yano help us to build scale and so um you know our trajectory and our hope and vision is to be you know every bit bit as uh big as you know the uh the dreamworks uh, you know of the world and so um you know we're starting you know with you know the where we are right now and you know hopefully in the next uh, three to five years, you'll you'll see us uh, scale up pretty significantly. Without giving too much away, what are the other what are some of the other ways that you're intent or hoping to to build scale? Uh, well, <laughs> some some of that is uh, uh, under wraps right now. Uh, you know, we will be having some announcements, uh, some pretty interesting num- announcements over the next uh, few weeks, <laughs> uh, even um, some things that we're working on. But uh, I would say, you know, our our trajectory is going to uh you know it's going quite quite well and again Yanu is kind of that uh big step forward for us um are there any in development projects that you are able to talk about at the moment i know when you say there are certain things under wraps coming in the next few weeks i assume some of them might be projects but are there any in development projects that you're able to talk about uh, currently well well one that was announced was the uh, the Sedella Marley project with Marley and the Family Band where we where Sadella, uh, who's the daughter of Bob Marley, had written a children's book. And, 
you know, uh, inspired by her life, you know, being raised by Bob Marley. And we've, uh, she's trusted us with that, with that brand and that property. And now we've uh, developed it into a, a really promising animated series for preschool that'll utilize the whole Bob Marley musical library, you know, uh, so we're bringing that, that, that heart and soul and message of love and family to kids everywhere through this this uh, upcoming project. Um, and Saxton, when you look to the the year ahead, what does the I suppose the production timeline, or what are some of the uh, some of the significant uh, junctures uh, in the road as as you get this uh, as you kind of uh, inch this toward um, toward completion and then release? We have two seasons, right, uh, for Ianu, and right now the first season is in production. We're, we're right on schedule. Um, we have a super talented team and, and that's how we're able to, you know, stick to such a, a, a really tight deadline. But, you know, our, our, we, we make sure that we've hired talented, uh, diverse group of people where if you notice in, uh, within the past few years, a lot of, uh, a lot of studios were, you know, looking for qualified uh, diverse talent, but couldn't find any, and 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 that's the reason because you've never given them the opportunity, right, to to kind of move up or progress within this industry. And what we're doing is we have we have first time directors that were phenomenal storyboard artists. Um, we have Nigerian artists that came on to help with the design and everything. So this is a, a super talented people um, who have gone above and beyond up to this point. Um, is, is what's going to keep us on schedule and keep things going. And it's going to be a beautiful piece of work. And we're excited for everybody to see it. And David, when you think about Lion Forge in 10 or 15 years, and I know this is a really long-term question, um, what, what do you see, you know, wh when you dream really big, wh what are some of the, the goals for the company? And what kind of position would you like to see it occupy in the industry in a decade's time or a decade and a half? Well, you know, I'd like us to be a, the premier animation studio, uh, the place where, you know, uh, when we put out a project, uh, you know, people, you know, know what uh, kind of uh, quality and storytelling uh, that they're going to get. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a it's a mixture of, I think, uh, Studio Ghibli in some ways, and you know, kind of a mixture as well of uh, you know Pixar and DreamWorks. Uh, so, and that's where where I kind of see us going forward. Kids series Cody Time launched on Netflix this week, the first spin-off from YouTube hit property Coca Melon, owned by Candle Media's Moonbug Entertainment, which also counts brands like Blippi and Little Baby Bum among its portfolio. Moonbug is rapidly expanding its range of YouTube-originated titles into full-blown franchises with spin-offs like these, plus licensing and merchandising and distribution across all manner of platforms. America's managing director Andy Yateman spoke to Carolina Kaminska at the Kinscreen Summit in Miami about the strategy and the company's approach to acquiring further IP. Okay, so to start with then, um, you're here in Miami. What is it that, that you're here to do at Kinscreen? We're here to meet with um, most of our distribution partners. So, you know, we distribute our content on... Really, we want to have our shows, our IP be on all of the different platforms where kids and families are spending time around the world. So kind of ubiquity, where a non-exclusive distribution is a core part of our strategy. 
Um, so we, we believe that in today's kind of fragmented world, to launch a brand, it's very hard to do that if it's only on one platform, right? Only in one walled garden. So our shows are on YouTube, but they're also on Netflix, they're also on Hulu, they're also on HBO Max and Roku, etc. And so that we're here meeting with all of those people about, about our content. Secondarily, we're also here meeting with production partners and studios because we, uh, for the most part, we have a we have a we have an animation studio in Singapore. But for the most part, we outsource animation. So, and we have you know over a dozen shows in production. So we're working with studios all over the world and constantly kind of staying in touch with who are the new studios, what are the new production technologies, how can we make content a little bit faster, um, a little bit better. And um, you're participating in a panel session, um, D2C distribution. I am. Um, what is, what's the focus of that and what are your kind of key points that you're going to try and get out there? Yeah, so I think the focus is, um, is different actually for different panelists because I think D2C can mean different things for different people. But for us, it, it primarily is the fact that we have our YouTube audience and we have, you know, we have hundreds of YouTube channels. So we have a direct relationship where we, we're in charge of the programming. We decide what goes up. We're not, there's no gatekeeper or decision maker in between us and the consumer. And so that's a fundamental part of our strategy that we make content. We put it out on YouTube on a weekly, daily basis and we build kind of awareness and affinity for our brands there. That's kind of the foundation. And then we'll distribute our content on Netflix and Hulu and all the other platforms that I, that I just mentioned. And so you have this catalog of, of hit IPs. Can you talk about your strategy when it comes to acquiring those IPs? Yeah, so we are, um, we've done 13 acquisitions so far, which means we've looked at about 100 that you know, usually more times than not, they fall through for whatever reason, for one reason or another. So we're constantly talking to different um, uh, IP owners and different creators. I am meeting with a couple here as well. Um, and our filter is pretty, is pretty clear, I think for us at least. So one is there has to be an established audience. So whether that's a YouTube channel or whether that's um, a Roblox game or something that, that clearly has an established audience. Um, it has to have kind of core values. So, so for us, our kind of curriculum is around life skills, which is more of a social emotional curriculum, but we have to feel like it's kind of, it, it, it's a positive impact on the kids who are watching or playing it, whatever it is. And we have to think that it'll, we can build it much, much bigger than the current owners, right? So, for example, Blippi and Coco Melon were already very popular on YouTube when we acquired them, but that's pretty much where they existed. And we were able to uh, acquire them, bring the teams in in-house, build on the content, grow the YouTube audience substantially, but also just grow it, you know, on all these other platforms, grow consumer products and live events and everything else, the publishing and music and everything else that we do. So we have to look at a property and say, we can grow that, you know, at least three to five times over the next few years. And some recent news to come out of Moonbug is, is um, some spin-offs that you've been doing for Coco Melon. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of well, that that lends itself into this kind of building of a, a franchise. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, is that something? How successful are these spin-offs? And is that something that you plan to continue doing? 
It, it is something that we can to plan to continue doing. So Cody was the first one that we launched. Was Cody is JJ's best friend, and JJ's the, the main character of Pokemon. Cody's his best friend. Cody was kind of a side character that didn't even have a name or a kind of family background when we acquired the property two and a half years ago. Um, and we've really elevated Cody, given him his family, the Green family, moved them next door to JJ, really built up Cody as a regular kind of a co-star of the, of the show, and then now give Cody his own show, so Cody has his own YouTube channel. Um, the first Cody content is launching on Netflix actually tomorrow, so it's good, good timing to have this conversation. And then we have a Cody line of consumer products, which is, which is out in the market this year. Um, so that, that's off to a great start. Um, where the next character based spinoff is Nina, who's a Mexican-American girl, and she's, we're um, really rolling that content out on YouTube this year, but, but we would expect that content would eventually go on other platforms like Netflix, and there will eventually be consumer products. And then um, we actually uh, launched a spinoff called Animal Time, which is JJ with, with um, a bunch of fantasy animal friends. So really kind of set more in a fantastical world, not in the very real, realistic world of Cocomelon, um, which is regular Cocomelon is. So that's Cocomelon. And then recently we did something somewhat similar. Mika is uh, Blippi's best friend who started appearing in Blippi episodes last year in the Blippi show, and then now has her own show, which is also on Netflix, and we'll have things like costumes um, coming out this year. What about when it comes to creating your own original IP? Is that something that you would look at? It is something we'd look at. It's not a core part of our, it's not a core part of our strategy, but it is something that we'll do. So for example, we launched, we actually launched a show called Lullaby City Farm last year. And we did it by using um, a, a YouTube channel that we had that already had a sizable audience of similar type of content. And we came up with this concept of, uh, of an urban city farm with talking and dancing, singing vegetables and animals, and with the, the key core story being a grandmother who runs the farm and two kids. So that's kind of an intergenerational storyline that, that you know, we hadn't seen the urban farm out there in the in the market. We hadn't seen kind of the intergeneral storyline as much. So, those are two things that we're excited about. And we launched that show, and that show is on on Netflix. It's on Hulu. It's on Disney Plus in Europe. It's on all different distribution platforms. So that's an example of where we did launch a brand new IP. But always in that case, we knew we had an audience. We knew we had a built-in YouTube audience of of that target demographic. So we would do something like that again. Okay. Yeah. All right, and, and you've got this, this very wide distribution strategy, and as you said, you're trying to work with as many platforms as possible to try and be everywhere. Really, the platforms that I would say, the platforms that have a big audience, right? Like for us, it's not the number of platforms or the number of broadcasters or the number of deals. It's, it's really all about the audience and engagement and where we see engagement being incremental and finding new audiences. And you do also have your own... Um, Moonbug Kids channel that you're that you're launching globally. So um, you've, you've had a couple of launches recently. Um, where's next, and, and how is that that rollout going? Yeah. So so linear linear viewing is is obviously you know been on the decline to say it lightly, right? But um, but it still is a is a powerful use case, right? And it's an important use case. And so as we're trying to find new audiences and engage audiences new audiences, but also engage them in different ways. Linear 
linear viewing, having a linear channel makes a lot of sense in certain markets. And we have enough of a we have enough of an offering to program a channel, and and where we've launched a channel, it's actually doing really well. In a lot of markets, it's the number one or number two kids linear channel in those markets, um, markets like Malaysia and Indonesia. Um, so I can't say where it's going to be next, but it's absolutely we are we are actively talking about new channel launches in different markets around the world. So we will have announcements on that front this year. Okay. Um, and just generally, what are your kind of plans and, and uh, for growth and expansion over the next couple of years? Mm -hmm. Well, we think that we have a ton of growth just with our core IP. So, you know, Coco Melon is a, is a household name and, a, and you know, we consider it a franchise here in North America and in English-speaking markets. But in non-English-speaking markets around the world, it's a very popular show, but it's not really yet a franchise yet. So building out the whole ecosystem and the awareness with parents, um, and that then also the publishing and the music and some products and live events and experiences and all those things, we think just within Cocomelon there's a huge amount of growth, not to mention the new, the new spin-offs, Cody and Nina, Animal Time, etc. And similar thing for Blippi. Um, and then of course we have other shows that are kind of our, our next up brands that are growing so for example Morphle is a show that we've had for a few years it's on Netflix it's on most distribution platforms around the world we just launched a 3D version last year it was 2D now it's 3D we've seen that kind of boost the awareness um, I mean the, the viewing and then we're working on a show that with Disney that will launch on Disney um, uh, at some point next year so that's another brand that we see a lot of growth from um, and then and then look, an area that we're just, we've just dipped our toes in so far is gaming. So we launched a Nintendo Switch uh, Cocomelon game called Play With JJ as like our first experiment in the, in the gaming space. But that's an area of place that we're spending a lot more attention um, on. So, you know, I would imagine we're going to be doing more on that front. That's quite interesting. So do you foresee gaming being quite a, a big priority in the future? Because, you know, children are spending so much time gaming and... It's yeah. I mean, I think it's too. I think it's too soon to tell or make any announcements there yet. But yeah, it, to your point, if you look at how kids engage with how they spend their um, entertainment time, their leisure time, gaming is a big part of it. And gaming is an area that we don't play in very much yet. So it's obviously it's we see it as an opportunity and a growth area for us. And since Moonbug's acquisition by Candle Media, what does that offer the company and in terms of partnerships as well with some of Candle's other companies? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it so they basically are they invested in our strategy, right? So nothing has really changed on that front. It's just that we have um, you know, kind of more uh, more backing behind us. We have, you know, in terms of opening doors that any doors that if there were any that we couldn't open before, we certainly can open now. Um, you know, working with Kevin and Tom, and um, and then and then absolutely. I mean, you know, we are the primary kids and family part of Candle Media, so I don't have anything specific in terms of specific projects. But but um, we are talking about some of the other with some of our sister companies about kids projects. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so looking ahead then to the rest of this year, what are your core goals and ambitions? It's well things I said before, so continuing to build out these different spin-offs, right? So we're super excited about Cody, we're super excited about Nina, we're excited about Animal Time, those are all part of the Cocomelon world. We're excited about Mika, 
uh, the new characters the spinoff from Blippi um, and really uh, get those out into the world, get those uh, shows on, they're already being watched on YouTube in huge amounts, get them on the other major platforms that we partner with and then give kids different ways to experience them, whether that's through a live show, whether that's through reading a book, whether it's through playing with toys or wearing the, wearing the costume or whatever it is. Andy Yateman speaking with Carolina Kaminska. That's all for this episode, but you can hear more discussion by tuning in to our C21 FM internet radio station, where you'll find new interviews airing from Monday. The podcast will be back next Friday. In the meantime, stay up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening.